0: Welcome to the Know, Like, Trust podcast for real estate professionals. In this podcast, you'll discover what it takes to establish know, like, and trust, and connect with the right people for success in real
1: estate. If you're a marketing strategist, real estate agent, or another professional in the
0: real estate space, and you're interested in building a referral-based business, you're in the right place. Here are your hosts, Betty Russo and Christine George.
2: Hello, and welcome to the No Leg Trust podcast uh, and show. I am Christine George. And
1: I'm Betty Russo. We have a very special guest here today. It's Carl Carter of the Beverly Carter Foundation. While this may be an unsettling conversation, it's one that has to be had. After the untimely passing of his mom, Beverly, Carl has really dedicated his life to creating, you know, a knowledge and a background. And, you know, basically he wants to let the whole entire world know about realtor safety and how important that is. Um, it's something that we don't always think about. So, Carl, thank you so much for joining us. We're honored to have you here today.
0: Oh my gosh, the honor is all mine. And can't thank you enough for for utilizing your platform as a a place to uh, help keep others safe.
2: Carl, um, for those who don't know, um, your mom was Beverly Carter, um, and she uh, passed away in 2014 um, when she was on a showing. She was uh, kidnapped and murdered, and we're gonna talk about that, but excuse me, before we do, I would really love to know more about her as a human, as a person, as your mom. Can you kind of just, you know, create the, the story and, and share with us a little bit about who she was?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, this might be my favorite part of our conversation. Um, you know, just like all of us, my mom was so much more than what she did to, to make a living. She was uh, a mom of three boys. She, at the time of her kidnapping, was... 50 years old. She'd been married to my dad for almost 34 years. So if you do that math, um, (laughs) my sweet parents weren't doing much for the Arkansas stereotype. (laughs) They were uh, teenagers in love and uh, got married very young, had me very young. I'm the oldest of three boys. And, uh, you know, I would be remiss in telling you about my, my precious mom. If I didn't tell you about her very favorite role, which will probably resonate with a lot of people. And that is being a grandma. Um, She, you know, when those, those kiddos came on the scene, it's, it's as if me and my brothers just completely disappeared. <laughs> um, my mom lived, uh, mom and dad lived on the lake. So we, uh, my kids just every weekend wanted to be there. And because she was such a young grandma, she uh, was able to be very active with them and do all the water sports. And, and uh, even for, for me, you know, it was always fun just because, you know, mom and I were only 16 years different in age and she got into the work uh, force as a realtor later in life. And she, um, we were able to go to college classes together. We did five K's and 10 K's together. She was, uh, my, my very best friend and, uh, a true, true gem of, of a person.
2: She sounds amazing. And wow. To, to, uh, have a child so young and, and actually have a successful marriage after such a young age, that's quite a testament to her character and her commitment. That's amazing. Carl, how long was she in the business of real estate?
0: Mom um, got into the business, um, unfortunately and tragically, we lost my, my younger brother, the middle boy um, in a car accident. And my mom just needed something she needed. Uh, she had always had an interest in home design, home interior and decorating. She would always have us moving all the furniture around every weekend that she cleaned and there as we cleaned. And um, so she she got into real estate following my brother's death and it was a good outlet for her. And at the time of her her passing, she had been in the business for about a dozen years. And she was just one of those agents that just um, probably, probably like you guys, just made it look annoyingly easy. And it's just not easy for folks like me. (laughs) So um, she, she, she loved it. Absolutely loved the business.
2: Oh, that's awesome. So take us back to 2014. um, On that day, tell us uh, where she was going, what she was doing. Give us, tell us what happened.
0: Sure. Um, So it was late September here in the South. So we are in Arkansas and you know, that's, really the best time of year, because you just begin to get that reprieve from this hot summer. And it I remember it was just an absolutely beautiful day. And my mom had, you know, just you know, what I call pre-COVID, um, you know, a, a kind of a regular, if there is such a thing, day in, in real estate. And she had worked in her office. She had gone to an affiliate luncheon. And I know we're all excited to get back to those. <laughs> and um, she, she won 50 bucks in a raffle there. And so, That afternoon, she was so excited to call my dad and to just to tell him about her winnings and and uh, and tell him what the rest of her day looked like. And as she talked to my dad, she told him that she would be showing a house that was in the same community that my parents lived, a house that um, had been vacant for quite a while. And so it was it was easy for her to say, you know, to point out, hey, you know, the house around the lake. Uh, she said she'd be showing it to a couple that had moved in from out of state that were, uh, you know, looking to purchase a property and told my dad that, you know, after that showing, she would be take her winnings from that raffle and she would pick them up dinner from their favorite Mexican restaurant there in their community and she would be home. And, you know, I just can't emphasize enough. I mean, it was just a Thursday, like so many Thursdays before it realtor working late grabbing dinner to go on the way home um and you know what my mom didn't know is that this couple that she had been working with for almost two weeks um that everything that they had told her about who they were and what their intentions were was a lie and they they had no interest in purchasing a property it was it was to kidnap my mom they perceived her to be wealthy that and this is their words that they would get enough ransom money from my dad that they would never have to work again and it's you know one of the most poignant things i think that i i hope everyone will take away you know if you're like me and you know perhaps you don't do very many transactions in a year and you're like oh maybe you know this kind of risk doesn't apply to me because i'm not a mega successful realtor what they the reasons why they targeted my mom apply to every single one of us. They based their perception of her wealth based on just the fact that she was a real estate agent. They searched through her Facebook profile, which was public, and there is this, my mom was a beautiful lady. She drove a nice car, like many of us do. And, it, you know, there's image is an important part of, of our role. And then lastly, these people knew to go to online county property records to find out where my mom lived and the property value of the home that my mom lived in. So based upon kind of these three things that publicly available, they built this perception. And so I, <laughs> I'm getting into safety tips already, but um, my my sweet mom was targeted for that reason, and it was um, at that showing, after talking to you know both husband and wife, after communicating with them via phone call, text, and emails, that. While showing that property, my mom was was attacked. My mom was uh, taped. She was bound in, in duct tape. Uh, my sweet mom was put in the trunk of a car and um, and taken. And you know, so began this process of these people thinking that they were going to get this money. And when their plan didn't go as they thought that it would, um, they had put much more effort into how they would do the kidnapping and to, and deceive my mom than they did for the actual execution of their plan. And it, it fell apart quite, quite quickly, you know, quite frankly, you know, it, in large part, because my mom had told my dad exactly where she would go and what time she would be there. And so my dad, when she didn't come home, he knew exactly where to go. And, um, when they felt, for falling apart. They they made the awful decision to change their plan from kidnapping and ransom to, to kidnapping and murder. They took everything that my mom had on her physical, you know, body at that at that time, her jewelry. Um it's upsetting and it's hard for me to say, and then I'm sure it's hard for anyone to hear, but they also, you know, found hanging in the closet of the wife of these bad guys. Was the shirt that my mom was wearing while she was showing that property, and and it it is it's very upsetting that that these people walk among us and that we have to protect ourselves from such behavior and that people are capable of dehumanizing someone so much to be able to do these types of acts, but unfortunately they did, and uh, we lost we lost the matriarch of our family, um, we have tried, you know, since then to make some good come from this. I, I'm glad that at least these people uh, did, they got caught. They went to trial. They were, um, they're, they're both in prison. And um, just a, a quick thing, but, and I'll, I'll hush for now, but I attribute, and I mean this wholeheartedly, the focus of my mom missing, the focus of her recovery, the focus of justice for her was fueled in large part by our incredible realtor family across this great nation. It, it, was, we, it was never okay for one of our own. And I don't just mean like her's my mom, I mean, from a realtor family perspective, it was never okay at any of those levels. And uh, it was, I still continue to feel like the love and support of, of this great industry.
2: Wow. Um, I know that um, first, thank you so much for sharing, uh, you know, so much of that. I mean, I know you've shared it quite a bit over the last eight years or so, and I can imagine it just, it never gets any easier. Um, I do remember um, that it was national news. I do remember you know when it happened, it made the news up here in 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 Boston. So it it definitely captured um, sort of the attention of you know so, some of the risks within the industry. Um, and it you know it really spurred you to do something about it. Can you tell us a little Absolutely. bit about what happened afterwards?
0: You know. I'm so, in, in a way, I'm very, I'm so thankful that her story went national so fast because that put a lot, a lot of eyes, a lot of pressure on it. But there's also a downside to that because it put a lot of eyes and a lot of pressure on us as a family and it continues to. But what, what happened is that in the aftermath of, of losing mom and going through this whole process of getting to to the just, you know, through the justice system. And we, we would hear so many wonderful words of support and kindness from this industry. But oftentimes, as agents would reach out and they would say, I'm sending you love, I'm sending you prayers, they would then put, you know, I can relate. Mm. This happened to me. And, you know, if it was, there were absolutely, there were stories of, you know, a realtor that knew of another realtor that had been a victim of homicide. But most often, it was a person sharing their own story of victimization. And it got to the point, you know, just hearing one time, one person confide in you that they were raped while showing a property, but they've been too embarrassed to, to tell anyone, to even report it because of the shame that they feel that they may have done something wrong. There's this responsibility that I feel anyway. You you can't tell me that and me not want to lunge at you to give you a hug first, and then B get to work. And so it it there started to become these patterns. And then you don't hear about these things. You don't hear about this, you know, undercurrent of frustration when things are stolen at open houses or people being victimized, or you know, heaven help, not just in real estate, every female. That has a social media account in this day and age what you all have to deal with from you know just the scuzziness out there um that in and of itself so there became these trends these patterns and i just couldn't sit idly so i um i founded the beverly carter foundation in january of 2017 and it's just it's a network of volunteers that just are trying to, to make a difference and you know, as most safety organizations are. It's, you know, the goal is zero. And we will keep working, you know, to, to try to achieve that goal. And so we have our website and has great, uh, you know, resources for, for folks because we don't want the, the fear or just the, um, the overwhelming dread of having to create safety materials or to, to be daunting. We just want to be out in front, an ally in the industry just to, to help all we can. Well,
1: <clears throat> I'm, you know, I'm almost speechless. I mean, hearing the story in itself gives me anxiety. I mean, we put ourselves, we do put ourselves in so many situations and don't even realize how, you know, it could be, how it could be dangerous. Um, but Carl, I love how you took this horrific occurrence and Decided to use it to help realtors, to help realtors, so that we don't become victims too, um, and to spread the word. And it's very commendable and honorable what you do. So thank you. Thank you. I know you have a lot of safety tips. Um, what What are some of your best safety tips? Um, I hate to say, like, what do you think your mom could have done differently? Because it sounded like she did all the right things. Um, I mean, I know sometimes I, I go out to meet a buyer that I've developed a relationship with, but your mom thought she developed a relationship with, with her buyer. So what can you tell us um, that we can do differently going forward?
0: Sure. And, you know, I, I wouldn't continue to, to tell my mom's story if, if I didn't feel that it was a teachable Story. If I didn't, you know, if if this could not have been prevented and this is just, um, I think that that's a very different thing. But as I think about safety tips, I always start with my mom. And to, to unpack that a little bit, just in how these people deceived her. So to unpack that, they said that they were relocating to, to our area from out of state, cash buyers, they gave their names. you're, you're texting, your phone call, as you're interacting with that phone number, you notice that the area code of that phone number matches the state that they said they're moving from, the email addresses that they've given you so that you can set them up and, you know, the MLS for updates for the property types that they're interested in. Those email addresses match the names that they've given you. And so, starting with that, that was my mom's experience. But what my mom didn't know is that everything was a lie, right? So the phone number that she was interacting with was a spoof number that was made possible by an app that they downloaded on their phone. So that was protecting their true number, keeping their anonymity intact. Reminder to any of us, we get to, and well, and we all cringe when we think back to our first email address, right? And it had some silly, you know, connotation. We can create an email account with any name we want. And that's what these people did. And so when when we think about safety tips, it is, it's vital that we strip everyone. There should be no anonymity in this process. Your client should know exactly who you are and you get to know exactly who they are. In my mom's case, because there was this, There was a relationship absolutely built, but there was no proof of who they were. And so I, of course, you know, it sounds basic, but we find, like, a, a lot of agents don't do this, and that is insisting upon that identification, and having a system in place to keep that in a secure place, I know, you know, our, um you know, the different systems that we use for content and their contact management, I mean, that they have these, the capability to get an ID, get it consistently, don't get yourself in trouble for, you know, fair housing things uh, or related things for only screening certain types of people. Um, and then um, also practicing, having the, the conversation about the need to request things and I'll explain for new agents and I'll just put myself in this maybe it was easy for you guys but having that hey I'm going to need your identification and or I'm going to need you to provide proof of funds for the cash that you say you have that really is a skill that you have for many of us we have to develop it because otherwise you can put them on the defense. Are you you want my ID because you think I'm a bad guy? You want my proof of funds because you think I'm broke. Um, so we, I even in my business, I continue to try to refine that and um, how I ask that I don't put people on on the uh, defense. Um, the um, so I think that's that's key. So we've got get their ID, keep it secure, ask it for everyone. Have be willing and, and to have that conversation about the proof of. Uh, financing or proof of funds. And then I'll just drop this other one and we can continue talking, but absolutely vital for people to know where you are. And you know, in this day and age, it's it takes time to set it up, but it's so easy. We all were walking around with these thousand dollar phones and it it has features to where you can you don't have to do it for everyone. You can do it for your spouse or a trusted colleague where you are always sharing your location.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Or if that seems a little too invasive for you, maybe give that colleague or someone access to your calendar and then be diligent about going into your calendar, saying who you're gonna be with. I copy and paste into my calendar when I'm doing, uh, I will copy and paste the MLS numbers of the properties I'm going to see. So there are multiple entry points for anyone that needs to check in on me where I am who I'm working with. So those are a few, I, I get fired up about it. So apologies. <laughs> I have, uh, no, I yeah, think it's great, up. Carl. Yeah, I'm
2: fired up too um, because, well, so 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 these first two are look really important. Number one, get proof of their identification. So whether it's a uh, uh, get proof of who they are, whether it's asking them for their identification or proof of funds, I think that's really, really important. Um, One question I have for you as it relates to that, like, you know, you talk about they, you know, they had this phone number that seemingly was legit Um, email. I mean, it's pretty easy to make yourself look legit with a phone number and an email. How else? I mean, I know for me, if I'm going to interview somebody for a job, the first thing I do is Google them. Right. And, and pretty much you can find them on LinkedIn, Facebook, you know, Instagram. Um, if they've got a, you know, a criminal record that will come up. Um, are there other ways in addition to what you, you know, identification and proof of funds that you can recommend that people. I mean, is there other other ways to find out if their phone is legit or their email is
0: legit? Yeah, so, you know, unfortunately, some, the, some of the best tools to do just that, you have to pay for. So, there are apps out in our market right now. You know, there's the, kind of all the rage in the real estate industry is this app called ForeWarn, F-O-R-E-W-A-R-N. And it is, you either put in, you know, you copy-paste the phone number or you, copy, or you type in a name and you see the results. That, that's a great tool. It's also subscription-based. Some associations across the country offer it as a benefit to being a member. Um, so that, that one's great. It, um, there are, you know, the issue that you run into with other things, especially free things is that it's only hidden certain certain databases, you know, of information. I love your idea of Google and Facebook, you know, just as, as I was telling you earlier that these bad guys did that to my mom, we have the same tools available to us. We can go out there and it's not always, it's not always, are they who they say they are? It's just a good idea to go out there and you might find on this person's Facebook profile, like they seem a little kooky. So you might want to take just a couple extra steps, maybe have someone come with you on that showing. Um, And then, you know, something that I think is really important to state. It was important all throughout this process until the time of the actual kidnapping that they remain completely like, anonymous like they there was they protected their anonymity so they couldn't be traced at all so they did not go on a showing with my mom she recommended several houses and they were like no i don't think so i don't think so but ultimately they asked my mom to see this particular property because it seemed like the ideal place to get away with a crime then you mm-hmm. think through okay so how does an agent offset that type of thing right that that alone and that is to insist upon pre-showing buyer consultation in a public place that breaks it you just broke the anonymity right there and so knowing they're they're going to object and there is so and they will either you know abandon the plan or move on to someone else
1: you know abandoning the plan is 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 the right idea um you know, you don't want to be with that buyer if, if, you know, you, you don't have a good feeling about them, but the scary part is what you just said, they they'll move on to somebody else. Um, so just in general, like what would you say to somebody who just does not have a good feeling, but you know, all the boxes are checking off, but something just still isn't right. Like I know I, I have had, people come with me on showings i've had my husband come and sit in the car outside um and wait for me but you know we we can go with our gut feeling but we don't always have that gut
0: feeling Mm -hmm. yeah so you know the problem is kind of like you just said so if you if you have that weird feeling well enough in advance and you can try to take precautions like bring bring your husband with you but then sometimes you get in these situations and suddenly there's that flare up like uh they either said something weird you're getting a weird vibe and you may feel like if you're already on the showing you may feel really really weird right and so then then you have to we have to get into strategies of what do we do right so just quickly you know some things with that is. You know, whenever we know that we're going to do a showing, where, especially when we are able to, you know, maybe it's the first house you're showing that day. You know, to be familiar with homes as best we can before walking through them, so we know where the exits are, we know all that. But then there are other strategies I've learned from from agents as we've had these conversations, and one, it's a little sneaky, but I'm okay with being a little sneaky if I feel unsafe, and that be. The idea, um, what they've done in the past is this lady was telling me she's walking through a home, suddenly she feels that weird spidey sense. And she said um, that she used kind of, you know, public common knowledge that many homes have these, these smart devices in them. And we need to be careful throughout these showings, not to, as buyers, to be commenting too much because Sellers may be able to listen to that and it, you know, lowers our bargaining power, you know, all these things. Yeah. But she, in the, in that showing, she said, Hey, you know, I forgot to mention, I saw in, when I was reading about this property online, that they have a number of these, these devices, the Alexas, the echoes, or whatever, that they're listening to everything that we're saying. So just be mindful of that as we go through. And suddenly it was as if another person was in the room. And I, I just think, you know, it. Is that perfect? No. But I just I like thinking through these types of other types of strategies that we can shake things up to keep ourselves safe.
1: Yeah. You know, that just um, that's a great idea. I mean, even if they don't have any listening devices, you can always say, you know what? I just know from experience that a lot of sellers have these devices in their house. So let's just, you know, talk about whatever we're going to talk about when we get outside. Um, what a great idea.
2: The other thing that I, I noted when you were telling the story was that I, I, I believe you said, or maybe you said it when we were doing our, our prep call yesterday, the house was, um, was empty, right? So nobody was living there. So that, that would tell me, I should want to bring somebody with me to the showing because you know, no, one's, no, one's coming home after the showing is over.
0: Right. Absolutely. Com- yeah, completely agree. And, you know, in this case, this is, you know, a rural area, vacant property, been vacant for a while. Each of the homes situa- situated on this lake. And I think it's part of the reason why the bad guy selected this property is each home sits on a half acre. And so you have these huge gaps in land uh, between the homes. And so, yeah, absolutely. Agree. Carl, what it be Traveling couples, you know, at all times. I really wish that could happen. It's not reality, but wherever possible. Yeah.
1: Carl, what are your thoughts on open houses and how they should be conducted?
0: So, you know, this whole topic of open houses is tough now because, I mean, the houses are selling so fast that, you know, they're not as much. But I'll, I'll tell you, prior to this, this hectic, crazy market that, that we've been in, Where I live, sellers expect it. They don't know why or if it's going to be of value, if if it's actually going to lead to the sale of their home. But it's just this, if you are selling your home, you do an open house. So there's just, you have to, you have to manage that expectation. So then that, that would lead, that leads me to, okay, I've got to do this. So how do I do it the safest I can? And, you know, I know we'll say it often, there's, there's just nothing like having another person there. But also, you know, we typically here in, in our market, we, it's open houses, very odd for it not to be from that window sometime between that 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. window on a Sunday. Sunday afternoons are sacred. So, You know, you just want that time with your family. So really hard sometimes to get someone to be that buddy that doesn't have a financial stake you know, something to gain. And, and, and that can be great, having an affiliate or someone else come in that, that might be able to get some uh, benefit. Um, but then I started thinking about, okay, how do I get another person at least in some way with me? And so here in our market, we, it is, it's legal for us to have video and audio surveillance. And so what I did is I got a cloud-based camera, bring it to my open houses with me, It has two-way communication and at all time, whenever it's motion activated, when someone comes into the frame, it's going to begin recording, sending it up to the cloud. So even if that camera's smashed, we've got all of that audio video. Um, All I have to do is just have a sign saying, you know, video um, under surveillance for um, safety and training purposes. And what's true is even that training purposes isn't a lie because I can go back then as cringeworthy as it is, I can watch that video and see how I'm interacting with these these <laughs> these good people coming to see the home, and I can be like, oh, you know what? That's why they engage with me because I really goofed that whole intro up. Yeah. <laughs> so you really can yeah. watch and learn from from yourself. Um, so, uh, you know, meeting the neighbors beforehand, you know, stopping if there's a local police station, drop off some your bottles of send the bottles of water and the cookies that you were going to take to the open house. Just make friends. Yeah. Uh, anyway, lots of lots of strategies there.
1: That's I never I never would have thought of that. You know, yeah, bringing the camera. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Oh my gosh, there's so much more that we can talk about, Carl. Um, no. <laughs> what can we do to help spread the word? What can we do to help make a difference? Um, help you with your mission.
0: You know, we all know just for the past couple of years how crazy the market's been. I live in, with the anxiety, the grief of losing my mom, this happened to my family. And I still, because of the hustle and bustle and going so fast and trying to get things done, I'll stop sometimes and I'm like, what are you you doing? That That wasn't the safe. And so first, I think it just starts right here, with all of us to just say, all right, I need to pump the brakes a little bit. I need to think about how I'm doing business. And then second is to, to love on one another. You have your sphere of, you know, influence. You've got sales meetings are picking back up kind of to where they were pre pandemic. And it's an opportunity not to be that annoying person that goes on and on and on about, you know, any topic is annoying, but, but uh, safety is, you know, it's, it can be a quick thing, literally in a, in a sales meeting, just saying, standing up and being like, guys, we're all crazy busy. I just want to let you know I care about you and think about safety. Um, I think that's, that's how we make a big difference. Um, I mean, always, you know, we have, you know, great resources out on beverlycarterfoundation.org. Um, NAR is doing an incredible job with safety materials. And it's not just you know, the anecdotal stuff, they're, they're, we're building out, and NAR and the safety committee, they're building out very tailored safety messages, or safety categories, if you will, so when, if you want to focus on open house safety, or you want to talk about, I mean, there are safety considerations in working with sellers, and we haven't talked about that much today, um, it's right at your fingertips, you just pull it down, and that can make all, all the difference, um, and then, you know, one last thing is that I am often, you know, approached by people, and they express frustration, understandably, that there isn't more done um, as far as campaigns to the public to say, we're a professional, and let's let's change the way that we're approaching safety and reset expectations with consumers, because there is this public perception of, of this wealth and you know you know there is that whole staff that that we're not deemed very trustworthy in our industry so i Mm -hmm. think part of repairing that and resetting expectations we can do at the individual level within our branding within the things that we do to say hey consumer here's how we can help you keep this how you can stay safe and uh, i think that that it just brings it up to the the forefront um Without being scary, you know, that's, that's always what happened to my mom is awful, but I, I think we can do more in the safety space and changing behaviors by inspiring it, not coming at it from a place of fear and paranoia.
1: That's a great takeaway. That is a great takeaway. We can't live in fear and paranoia, but we can certainly be aware you know, and, and try to share the message in a positive way, um, although very difficult. But, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Carl, what is one last piece of advice you'd give to our listeners
0: today? On September 25th of 2014 my mom went to a showing after being in the business for a dozen years having the opportunity during that career to serve hundreds of clients and if you quantify or try to quantify especially for those of you that have been in the business a long time over all the people that you've served and trying to get them to that especially the buyers to get them to that point of that dream home and they've got they they're able to purchase it how many showings have you as a real estate professional conducted in my mom's case i would assume thousands for so many homes all it takes is one
1: Mm
0: -hmm. all it takes is one and then your family unit your friend unit there you are surrounded and i mean every single one of us you are surrounded by a group of people no matter who they are that love you appreciate you and need you in their life so if not for yourself which i hope that it is for yourself but if not for you Think of that, the void that would be left if something were to happen. And please, please, please just make change.
2: I love it. Carl, before we wrap, finish this sentence. No like trust is.
1: Following your gut. Ooh, that's a great one. It is. That's fantastic.
2: It's really, really good. Carl, um, you are located in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, you are a realtor down there. Where can people find you? How can they find you if they have someone moving into the Little Rock neighborhood?
0: So, um, I'm I'm pretty easy to find. So <laughs> through through the Beverly Carter Foundation, through uh, you know, just you you can find me pretty easily. I'm I'm a uh, Remax agent here in the Little Rock area. Um, my my email is Carl at BeverlyCarterFoundation.org, and so it doesn't just have to be about real estate. Anyone, please feel free to reach out if I can ever be a resource in any way.
2: We can't carl,
1: thank You, you are such <laughs> a genuine human, you are definitely getting any referrals that, that I have,
2: you know, I mean, (laughs) oh my God, Uh, it's, it's a no brainer. Thank you. uh, We, we really appreciate your time and your sentiment and your passion around this subject. Um, and certainly, you know, very sorry that you had to, um, have such a tragedy happen for, for this, (laughs) for for this to happen today, and for the opportunity to to promote safety, but nonetheless, here we are. Um, so, thank you so much. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much.
2: Well, if you are watching us today, definitely let us know that you are here. Um, give us a, a like or a comment. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, we'd love it if you would give us a review and five stars. Yep. Um, <laughs> share, share our podcast, podcast with your friends. And um, we are just so happy to have you all here today. Because today is actually a special day for Betty and I. It is our one year anniversary of our podcast. So, yay for us. (laughs) (laughs) Happy one year anniversary, partner. Happy
1: anniversary. So, uh, we're looking
2: forward to many, many more. Absolutely. So, thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful day, and we'll look forward to hearing you, seeing you here again soon. Take care. Bye, everyone.
0: thanks for listening if you like this podcast we'd love it if you subscribe and leave a review if you're interested in being a guest on the show please reach out to christine or betty on social media for consideration you can find them on facebook instagram linkedin and youtube please join us next time for another insightful conversation on incorporating know like and trust into your business